This episode is brought to you by The Mr. Pickles on Sunrise and Madison in Fair Oaks. You want a great sandwich made by a sandwich east of the cares? This is the shop for you. Go on down to Mr. Pickles, 5353 Sunrise Boulevard. Open for takeout and curbside pickup during these crazy times. Support this small business and get a sandwich, or even five, today. This week on the Spivey Special Podcast, we'll have our guest Tyler Robertson. We'll be talking about his road to the majors, clubhouse food, and we'll do a preview of the 2020 MLB season. Welcome to episode 26 of the Spivey Special Podcast. It's kind of hard to concentrate today. Uh, Heather made some cookies. They're sitting here on the table. I don't know if Zach's giving me the eyes or the cookies the eyes, but it's kind of nice. If you hear a loud noise, it's me accidentally knocking over the computer trying to get a cookie. (laughs) Yeah, we're going to need a new computer out of this episode, I'm sure. But we do have a guest here today. We got old... Let me break it down for you, all right? He's number 64 on the back of your old Twins jerseys, but he's probably number, what would you say, Zach? I think like top six, seven. In your heart? Yeah. yeah he's an okay guy. I mean, <laughs> we got Tyler Robertson here with us. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. I'm looking forward to this. First time doing a podcast, uh, officially, I guess, so ready to roll. Well, we're going to have a good time. We are... Technically on coronation, I don't know if we're breaking the rules or not. Yeah, there's under six non-relatives. We're fine, so don't worry about it. We used a lot of Lysol wipes and sprays and shenanigans in order to de-germify everything. So. You guys bought them all, I guess. <laughs> Glad you did it. Thanks. Appreciate it. No problem. All right, Zach, you ready to get going? Yeah, I think we're ready to get going. Let's take a quick break, and we will start with, remember that thing? Hey, remember that thing? The moon landing. Jazz. Trapper keepers. Manners. Alf. Sunny D. Yeah, I remember those things. All right, for remember that thing, we got our guest Tyler Robertson here with us, and we're going to break down Tyler's career path, which is a fun little one, and we've known him for a really long time, so our memory goes back pretty good. Yeah, he he started out old Seabar C Park playing Sunrise Little League. He said earlier off the air that his uh, favorite memory was the privilege to play with me. Um, <laughs> so we played there in Little League for quite a long time, you and your brother. Yeah, I actually got one of my trophies that's still in my bedroom that's over at my mom's house over by Seabar C is a plaque that says I got a 10-year award. I guess I started T-ball when I was four. And I played Sunrise Little League until I was 14 and then rolled into uh, high school. So, I mean, that's not the way people do it now. They play on like 10 travel ball teams by the time they're done. But we just played Little League and rolled into high school. Yeah. uh, Then we went into high school again. I was a year behind you, but eventually you got the privilege again to play with me. But we went to Bella Vista High School where Zach actually went to. He wasn't a baseball guy, a golfer. If you look at him, you could agree with that. (laughs) But uh, Tyler was on the varsity team all four years. He was a quarterback on the football team and he got a few minutes getting some boards and throwing some bows on the basketball team so he's a three-sport athlete there um tyler do you have any memories 
from high school of us all playing together? Yeah, I got a lot. Well, I mean, even though you're a year behind me in high school, I never really got rid of you because <laughs> my younger brother, Charlie's a year under you. Mm-hmm. So you're kind of always sandwiched between. <laughs> and, uh, but yeah, I got a lot of memories from high school sports. I mean, uh, uh, I could go on for days talking about the baseball ones. Basketball, I, I enjoy basketball. I don't really watch the NBA much, but uh, I liked playing it. Um, really liked it because it kept me in good shape for the two sports that I enjoyed playing the most, which is baseball and football. Um, and then football, I always wanted to play growing up, but I either weighed too much for uh, peewees or <laughs> um, my mom wouldn't let me play tackle. She told me when I got – to school my freshman year, I can make that own decision. And after the first day of school, I'm like, you can pick me up at five because I'm going out for football practice. I don't <laughs> think she was very happy, but I fell in love with football, um, even though baseball was always going to be what I wanted to do in the future. Uh, football was a lot of fun, too. Now, I have a memory of us in high school. Um, we had your senior year. I was a junior. We had a shortstop there. one of the best fielding shortstops i've seen well at least until cameron Barr. but let's not get into that um 26 at bats into the season how many hits does he have tyler he was hitless it was a rough go um i think zach had just as many hits (laughs) yeah it was a rough go for him and uh hit a few uh bumps along the way had a really hard hit that guy might have made one of the best high school catches i've seen that robbed him from you know getting off the no-hit board. And uh, then uh, a couple games later, I think he singled. And like we talked about before the podcast, uh, you got to play five innings to make an official game. And in the fourth inning, the rain came. He'd already got his hit. So uh, hit got wiped away. And I think he finally got off the schneid a couple days later. So that was pretty good. I enjoyed it. I'm sure, I don't think he did. Yeah, you and I, we loved it. <laughs> we might have been the coaches, not so much. Definitely the shortstop, not so much. But all right, so as a senior, California State Player of the Year, because I was a junior, and <laughs> that's a pretty good uh, accolade. You got your jersey out there. I don't know if it's still out there at uh, Bella Vista out on the left field fence, but pretty cool senior run. It was nice playing in the outfield when Tyler was pitching because you could take like a two hour, well, like an hour nap because they didn't make contact, but it was pretty fun. <laughs> Um, and then Zach in 2006, Tyler got drafted. Third round, 96 overall. Yeah, it was a pretty wild ride, the whole draft process, now being a scout and being on the other side of it. Um, there, you know, looking back, going in and talking to the high school players now, um, you know, one of the biggest questions is, hey, how bad do you want to sign? Um, I don't think I fooled many scouts with uh, the fact that I wanted to go to school because uh, they all knew that that was not true. Um, (laughs) And plus, I wanted to start my career, and I thought the best way to do that was play against the best competition. So I put it out there that I wanted to sign. Um, You know, early indications going into my senior year, I heard from quite a few teams, hey, you're falling anywhere between the second and fourth round. Ended up being taken in the third round. So obviously, I was happy with that. you know, and I tell parents that story nowadays that ask about the draft process. And I like, don't listen to that story because the scouts happened to be right when they picked second to fourth round when I was it. That's usually not the case um, with, uh, you know, where you're going to fall in the draft. There's so many kids, the country's so big, there's so many players, you don't know. So you just have to play it out. And I was fortunate enough to 
be taken high enough into a position to start my career. All right, so you get draft 2006. Uh, your debut isn't until 2012. So tell us about that little five and a half year run in the minors, ups and downs, and everything in between. Yeah, the minor leagues went good. Uh, started off really well, you know, out of high school. Um, really, my rookie ball season and my first full season couldn't have really gone any better. Um, you know, got into the swing of you know pro ball life. Um, that was first off season, obviously. Uh, you know, learning how to get get ready and prepare for a seven-month season, um, you know, and uh, went through second year, uh, played full season in the league is a Midwest League and had some success there. Uh, second full year, went to the Florida State League um, and repeated that league for a little bit. Uh, I think part of the second year, um, then I was moved up to double A. Uh, so it would have been 2010. I was uh, first full year in double A, and that was really the first road bump I hit. Um, you know, struggling a little bit and fighting through some stuff, learning how to make some adjustments. And uh, But it was all pretty smooth up to there. Took my bumps uh, in 2010. They moved me to the bullpen in 2011, uh, had a really good rebound year. I went from having my worst year in 10 to having my best year in 11, getting put on the major league roster. And um, that led me up to my debut in 2012. All right. So you're in Rochester. Yeah. Tell, tell us about the moment that you got called up. What was that experience like? Oh, that was pretty cool. A few people have asked me about it before. Um, it was myself and a good buddy of mine. Um, that were the only players in our triple a bullpen that were on the major league roster. Uh, he had been up to the big leagues before he'd been up and down type guy. Um, I'd obviously never been, I was having a really good year up to that point. Um, so was he actually, uh, but I was closing a little bit in triple a also pitching a lot of left on left situational stuff, which is what I ended up doing in the big leagues. Um, so we had a game. We just heard that Matt Caps got hurt. Um, it was on a Friday night, maybe. So Saturday, nobody really thought anything of it. We showed up to the field for Sunday on a day game, and we get, we just heard through the rumor mill. Everybody talks, and some of the coaches are like, "Hey, you know, he's going to go on the disabled list." So we knew that we needed a reliever. Him and I were the two guys. Uh, so basically, you kind of just know that. If you pitch in that game, you're probably not going to be the one that gets called up because they're going to want to call up somebody that they could use right away. Uh, so later in the game, about the seventh inning, was when I would start getting up and getting ready to possibly come in. It was a tie game. Uh, went into the ninth, still tied, and me and Kyle were the only ones that hadn't pitched yet. And we looked at each other and was like, well, when the phone rings, whoever they tell to warm up's not going to the big leagues. And so we kind of laughed. They called down. They told him to warm up, and I kind of knew I was going. We ended up losing the game in extra innings, and went in afterwards. Uh, coach gave a talk, hey, way to fight, all that stuff. And congratulations, Tyler, you're going to the big leagues. So that's how I found out. That was pretty cool. That is that's super cool yeah. that you're rooting not to be pitching. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I did enough work that year where I deserved not to throw in that game. I was leading the – International League, which is AAA. Uh, I was leading it in appearances by seven games, I want to say, at the time. Wow. And then a week after I got called up, 
another guy from our AAA team that wasn't on the roster got added to it. He came up, and when I was called up, I was first in appearances. He was tied for second. And like I said, I had six or seven more than them at the time. He got called up a full week later and was like, hey, who's guess who's leading the International League in appearances now? And I was like, I don't know, probably you. And he goes, nope, still you, but I'm one behind. <laughs> so I was getting used a lot, which obviously I had no problem with because it ended up, you know, to me getting called up. All right, so you're 24 years old. We're going to be making our debut. Well, not me, but you. <laughs> uh, June 26, 2012, uh, you're at home against the White Sox. You're sitting down in the bullpen. How are you feeling? Nervous. Uh, ner- I, I've, I've told a few people this, too, that have asked. Um, I was always nervous to play baseball more than probably any sport. Um, and really, it's the sport I was most confident in as well. It was always like a good nervousness. I always felt that if I was too calm, that probably things weren't going to go well. Uh, but, you know, I basically was sitting down in the pen. They told me about halfway through the first game I was up. Um, I, I don't know if anybody actually told me, but just the situation. I was like, okay, I'm probably not going to pitch tonight. And then, um, you know, the just feeling things out and talking to the major league bullpen coach. Day two, he's kind of like, hey, you're going to be a situational lefty guy. So here's the lineup. You know, you know which guys are left-handed hitters around the fifth, sixth inning. Start moving around. And if it looks like they might come up, you know, you're going to be live today. So I said, okay. Start looking at the lineup card. And I actually got to start my own inning, which was cool. Um, so, you know, got loose for that. I wasn't really nervous warming up because I'd done it so many times before. But running in from the major league bullpen for the first time was uh, its a lot of people. I mean, I, I was never nervous about playing in front of big crowds. But uh, that's by far the biggest people I ever pitched in front of uh, at the time. Yeah, Zach and I get nervous when we run in front of other people, too. So <laughs> we understand that. Um, okay, so uh, it's eighth inning. You guys are down 3 nothing, I believe, was the score. Uh, your first at batter was a little scrappy little Deaza. Yeah, he's a good player. I actually, in no disrespect to him, I didn't really know much about him uh, before facing him for the first time. Um, so just kind of attacked him the way I attacked hitters similar to him in the minor leagues, you know, kind of contact guys, put the ball in play. Um, really the biggest thing that, you know, I tried to do when I was pitching up in the big leagues was really stick with what got me there. Um, you know, use my strengths. Don't worry about, you know, pitching to the hitters weaknesses. I tried that in the minor leagues. Doesn't always work. <laughs> um, so I just say, Hey, if I'm going to get beat, I'm going to get beat by the way I attack people. And that's kind of how I went about it with him. And, uh, you know, next hitter was Kevin Euclid. You know, everybody kind of knows him from the Red Sox days. Uh, struck him out on a really bad slider that I was trying to back foot him on. <laughs> yeah, we were talking uh, to you before. We're like, what pitch was that? You're like, oh, that was a slider. Like, yeah, oh, I, mean, okay. I mean, sometimes if you throw a pitch, you know, O2 that's too good or too hittable, it's a really good pitch to throw. And, you know, you'll throw a you know, really good slider or whatever, 0-2, and it gets hit out. That's just how it works. But uh, I think it was a ball, too. But, you know, they always say that they're tight. The strike zone's tight for rookies. But I think I got a call on that one, so that was good. I just think they were – I think the ump was expecting the slider at his feet, and it. he's like, 
What? All right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like I said, it worked out. And, uh, Thank you for not hitting me in the foot, bro. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I don't think Euclid. Uh, I know he turned around and said something to the umpire, which is always funny. Um, and then the next guy was Adam Dunn. You know, I watched up, grew up watching him hit homers. I, you know, in high school, we'd like to during batting practice every now and then try to hit as many out as you could. So I always liked Adam Dunn being a former, you know, football player. Uh, he was a big quarterback out of Texas. And a big power hitting lefty, um, you know, was able to get him out. I faced him a few times. Uh, he got me. I've got him a few times. So that's how it works in baseball. But uh, the home run he hit off me in Chicago is probably still going. <laughs> um, but, hey, that happens. I got to face, uh, you know, a lot of the best big league hitters, uh, left-handed hitters, you know, in 2012 and a little bit of 13. and. Yeah, it was a lot so, of fun. Pretty cool your debut. You go up, strike three guys out. Coming off the coming off the mound, looked like you had a pretty big smile. Was it pretty just kind of like all my hard work I've done and I finally got here and I've you know, you were successful on your first time out. Was that a pretty cool feeling? Well, yeah. I mean, I more like relief or anything cuz you work so hard and I knew I belonged up there. I thought I was ready, you know, probably the year before, uh, being uh, given an honest evaluation, I, I thought I was ready enough. I'd grown enough from the 2010 season, uh, but hey, sometimes in baseball you got to wait. So once the inning was over, it was really just more of a relief that, like, hey, you finally got you know to where you wanted to get, and you didn't screw it up. So you know <laughs> anything else was a bonus. Uh, a lot of other debuts don't go that well, so hey, I had to be happy with it. All right, so you ran into the injury bug a little bit, kind of shortened the career a little bit, and then now you're an MLB scout. Yeah, now I'm scouting for the Yankees. I love it. Like I said, or like you said, uh, the injury bug got me a little bit. I was very uh, lucky throughout my high school career and the first, I don't know, five years of Pro Bowl. I was rarely hurt. Um, I don't know if I, I think I missed two practices in high school out of like the three sports, um, you know, had a really clean bill of health, uh, 2013 went to spring training and I knew something was up with my elbow, but also knew I was in good position to make the club. Cause I thought I did pretty well up there in 2012. So, um, you know, I pitched through it, probably should have said something. That's not really my style. I'm like, ah, I'll be fine. Uh, it wasn't fine. Ended up pitching through it for like a year. My velocity, I never threw very hard, but I was throwing like about as hard as I threw when I was a sophomore. <laughs> uh, it was just going in the wrong direction. Uh, finally got it looked at. They said, hey, it's a complete tear of your UCL, which is the Tommy John. They went in there, cleaned it up. And I remember the doctor actually said uh, when he was done, I was still kind of drugged up, so it was even more funny. But he said, is when they took my thing, they did an MRI and a x-ray, but we looked at the MRI first and you could see the complete tear. So I don't even remember the doctor putting, you know, the x-ray up on there, which shows bones. So I don't know if he looked at it, but, you know, after I was sewed up and in recovery, he was like, yeah, you had like seven bone chips from your elbow that were off too. And uh, we took those out and and he said jokingly something along the lines of it looked like a grenade went off in there or something like that. <laughs> and I was like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. It's about how it felt. So, you know, tried to come back from that. Uh, ended up, you know, my Tommy John recovery I thought was going fine. Then I tore my lat 
off the bone and they told me that was going to require surgery and only Jake Peavy had ever had that surgery and came back from it. I said, no, I think I'm good. <laughs> and, uh, so came home, took almost a year off. Scouting was something I always wanted to get into. It's what my dad does. Uh, I had a few baseball people approach me asking, hey, what's next? I said, hey, I want to stay in baseball. I went to scout school in October of 2016, which I don't even think they do scout school anymore. But went there, uh, had an interview with the twins. Uh, they went with somebody else. Uh, that job was for like the Tennessee area, which was fine. I mean, you need a job, but I really didn't want to relocate. <laughs> I would have tried to have to figure that out. But, um, you know, they told me the guy that interviewed me was in the process of signing me back when I was a player. And now I still see him at games now that I'm scouting, you know, against him. Uh, he's always been great to me, you know, going through the process as a player. He told me after the interview and they chose somebody else, you know, he told me, you know, I think you did a good job in the interview. I'll get your name out there and tell people around. And I just kind of thought he was being a, you know, nice guy. It's just something cool to say. I said, okay, no big deal. I wasn't too worried about it. But the Yankees called me a couple days later and were like, hey, you know, we got you were referred, I'm guessing, by the Twins guy. And, uh, you know, I went down for the interview with the Yankees and it all worked out for the Northern Cal job. So I got the scouting job and got to stay home. That's pretty that's pretty good that's awesome yeah it worked out good all right so you're a scout what's the best baseball advice for young kids teens or even college kids as a scout what's the first thing you look for when you go out there well, obviously the first thing we look for is just physical tools you know how strong the guy is how they move how they run um you know all that and it, you know everybody develops at different ages you know we look try to we try to predict you know body type you know skinny kid is he going to get stronger you know a lot of projection stuff like that with the high school kids you know the college guys are a little more set you know and when you're 20 years old your body doesn't change as much as it does from you know 18 to 20. are you sure look at zach he was skinny when he was 20. <laughs> well, some bodies can definitely change i know mine did after i got done playing for a while um you haven't looked at a guy like Giannis and you're like, that guy looks like he's going to grow three inches after we draft him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, three inches, I think we, I'd get in a little trouble for that prediction. <laughs> uh, it's a little much, but uh, yeah. So, you know, it's basically just the physical stuff. And then I'm real big on, you know, I, I think that winning is obviously something that that's the goal for everybody in baseball is the Yankees. We want to win. Uh, I think winning is something that you learn to do. Um, you could be the best player, most talented. And, you know, if you're always playing on loser teams, it doesn't, you know, I don't feel like they develop into winners. So I look for, you can't control what team you're on. You can't control any of that stuff, but you can control how you compete. You can control how you go about that stuff. And I think that, I mean, there, there are always the stories of, you know, underdogs and I know everybody loves that story, but in the most part, from what I've noticed about scouting, like the really good players, they dominate in high school, and if they have to go to junior college, they dominate there. If they got to go to college, good players are usually good for a reason, and and they, you know, they usually produce. It's rare to see a guy, you know, that's just got such great raw talent, but never gets a hit or anything, and be like, yeah, I think he's going to get better as the competition gets harder. You know, it just doesn't make much sense. Well, too, I mean, a lot of good players, they make people around them better, too. And I think that's a pretty important attribute. 
Yeah, no doubt. I mean, team leaders, that's why one of the first questions I ask everybody, and I know, you know, we've talked about it, I think off air before, you know, at the golf tournament, but, uh, <laughs> people, uh, like want to specialize in sports so young, like, you know, I have kids of friends or whatever that play little league and ask advice, like, Hey, should my kid specialize? I'm like, he's 10. He should be playing every single sport and, you know, doing everything and competing in different things to, again, learn how to develop, how to win, how to be a good team player, all that other stuff. You know, um, you just look, you know, when I play three sports, I know, hey, football helped me in basketball, basketball helped me in baseball. I mean, all in different ways. Um, you know, I, if I ever had in basketball, you know, hey, the game's on the line. I never had to, you know, make a game-winning free throw or whatever. But, you know, I <laughs> obviously <laughs> probably would have missed it. But, uh, you know, I wouldn't have felt as much pressure because you get the same pressure, you know, if you're fourth and one on the football field. I mean, it all translates. You're just doing something different athletically, but the competitive part, you know, will translate to any sport. So one of the first questions I still ask kids is, did you play any other sport growing up? And obviously I can't hold it against a kid if he's like, no, I'm a baseball player only. But in my own way, I'm a little disappointed. I want, you know, I want athletes that know how to win. And, hey, we could teach you a little more of the mechanical stuff and all that. Cool. I, that's awesome. Uh, I think that's all we got. We talked for a really long time. Sorry. If that went <laughs> no, no it was good. It was perfect. Awesome. The stuff that people want to hear is all about. The process. Yeah, you're way more entertaining than me and Troy. (laughs) (laughs) I'd rather listen to you guys. (laughs) All right, well, we're going to take a quick break, and we're going to come back with Food Court Files. Zach, have you ever heard of The Athletic? Does it look like I know what athletic means? No, not that athletic. The site for news, sports, stories, and more. Oh, yeah, that athletic. I love that site. My favorite part is it's clutter-free reading with no ads, pop-ups, or autoplay video. Yeah, it has no ads, no clickbait, just good content created for the fans and not the advertisers. I was just reading Sam Amick's breakdown of the Kings' final canceled game story, and I never wanted it to end. The Athletic has exclusive stories from an all-star team of sports writers like Ken Rosenthal, Jason Stark, David Aldridge, Jay Glazer, and so many more. I like how many talented top local and national sports writers they have. Quality journalism from the best local and national sports writers. Wow, all that awesome is in one place. That's hard to imagine. Let's get the crowd into it and help our listeners save. All you need to do is go to theathletic.com slash This will get you a seven-day free trial plus 20% off an annual subscription. Annual subscription will come to you at just $3.99 per month. So just go to theathletic.com slash spivey and get your subscription today. All rise. It's time for the Food Court Files. All right. This week for Food Court Files, we're going to be talking about big league baseball food. Not just the Dodger dogs or whatever you get at the ballpark, but we're going to talk about what these athletes are eating, both in preparation for their season and during the game or when they get taken out of the game, we'll cover a couple of things here. So Tyler, when you got to the major for to the major leagues, did you stick to a strict diet when you were preparing for the season? In the major leagues, no, I did not. <laughs> uh, and it was well, I, I I should say that I always did a better job watching my diet in the off season, especially when I was younger. I would do a pretty strict diets, a, a lot of. Um, 
basically low carb stuff. Uh, bread sticks to me like glue, like it does to all of us. But uh, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> uh, it's something that you really got to watch out for. So my goal was to always, especially earlier in my career, was to show up in spring training the best shape as possible. You know, body and cardio, all that. So I would, you know, pretty strict diets in the off season, and then um, as I got older. I would just have to watch more of what I ate in season. I always gained weight um, during the year, even early in my career, maybe 10 pounds, 15 pounds towards the end. At the end of my career, it was probably more 20, 25 pounds I put on <laughs> during the season. But um, you, you could, so in the off season, you could work out as hard as you want and you could watch what you eat. And I would usually do those two things. Um, and when I show up to spring training, you're still working hard, getting all your running in, you move a lot, you're on your feet a lot. But if you work out with the same intensity that you did in the off season, it's gonna affect how you play. So you have to taper back the workouts. So when you taper back the workouts, if you don't watch what you're eating, you know, there's a lot of hidden calories and, uh, and all that stuff that'll add up. So uh, it's just something you gotta learn and feel out. And um, when I first signed the minor league, um, you know, the minor league food wasn't good. Uh, it was worse than that. You know, when my dad played in the eighties, uh, we had it a little better, but I know in rookie ball, we had a three, um, restaurant rotation. We would get subway, a six inch subway sandwich for lunch. Um, we had Chick-fil-A, uh, every day on their cycle, except for Sundays. And then, um, there was another place that did like rice bowls. that was, you know, close to the stadium. And it was one of those three things every time we were at home. And if we went on the road, they're just like cold cut turkey sandwiches, roast beef, whatever. So, you know, there's worse food to eat, but it wasn't always the best. Um, you were kind of on your own for what you can afford and whatnot for dinner. Um, it's gotten so much better in the minor league side. It's something that I talk about as a scout when we're going into meeting with uh, kids and parents to tell them about minor league ball, to tell them about the Yankee system. I mean, we had nutritionists now at the minor league level, so uh, it's good to see that baseball is putting more of a focus on that. You know, the kids are in a way kind of an investment, and before they're, you know, you're feeding your investment McDonald's and <laughs> Taco Bell and all that stuff's probably not the best idea. So they're doing a heck of a job on watching kids' nutrition and teaching kids how to eat right. And everybody's situ and, and they're. Um, you know, they're tailoring it to each individual, whereas before it's just like this group over here, you guys need to lose weight. That group over there, put on weight. You know, you guys just get more flexible, whatever. Now it's more, hey, we want you to stay at the same body fat percentage, but add five pounds. You know, it, it's a lot more specific now. It's like, not, Troy, why are you still in the fat person group? <laughs> I don't, with all this nutritionist talk, I don't think me and Zach are going to go into the minor leagues anytime soon. This is ridiculous. Hey, you can eat really good, uh, when you're watching what you eat too. Um, the hardest thing for me to give up when I'm watching, which I'm going to start, actually, this is a Sunday. I'm going to start Monday just during this quarantine time, trying to eat a little better, kind of more on the cutting out carbs side. Um, I kind of already watch what I do, but hey, none of the bread, none of the tortillas, but my, one of my None favorite, of the chocolate chip cookies. None of the chocolate feet chip cookies. No, none of those. But one of the hardest things for me to give up when I do, uh, you know, kind of let myself eat whatever I want for a couple of days is uh, like chips. I know you guys talk about nachos all the time on your episodes. I love nachos and I like cheese, but 
honestly, if I cut, if I eat those for like a week and just cut out tortilla chips and cheese, I'll probably be at the same weight I was, you know, right away. It's just, uh, um, it's luckily for me, it's only a few things that I got to cut out. I know that some people when they're dieting have it a lot harder, but I like to eat meat. So doing the paleo stuff, not very hard for me. All right. So the only reason we had you on is we want to hear about the major league clubhouse food. So Tyler, give us a little, little sneak peek in that clubhouse that a lot of people don't normally get. Yeah, that was uh, pretty good. Um, we did have, I forget, um, you know, what the menu were in specific cities, but I do know that a couple of the cities we would have on a, if it was steak night, we would have Ruth Chris cater in. Um, we had our own chef, in Minnesota, he would cook basically whatever we wanted for um, lunch and pregame, you know, because a lot of people don't know in baseball, if it's a seven o'clock game in the big leagues, they're usually everybody's at the field by one at the latest, I would say. So I, I would pro I would try to get there early, especially when I was a rookie. Um, you know, I was trying to be one of the first guys at the park. So you get there around noon for a seven o'clock game so you know you talk to the personal chef he would pretty much make guys whatever they wanted some of the established veterans would have you know like really tailored in diet plans uh you know they would get their blood tested they, they could eat this they can't eat that and he would follow restrictions like that or you could just be like hey can you make me a sandwich um, but he was there for that. And then after the games they were always catered in and it was catered in it wasn't catered in but like El Pollo Loco. <laughs> uh, it was good. Dang food. it. <laughs> it was good eating. Um, yeah, pretty much anything you wanted. They, they treat you pretty good up there. And, you know, uh, I know some fans kind of get on athletes sometimes for how much money they make or how easy they got it. And hey, I could kind of get their side of the argument. But when you go through it and you work as hard as you do to finally make it up there, they treat you like kings. And, uh, you know, if, if you're willing enough to fight through the minor leagues and get up there, Hey, I got no problem with them doing it. I enjoyed it. <laughs> now, we were talking a little bit off the air here about drinking in the clubhouse. Because, I mean, Zach and I, we like to eat. And obviously, we like to drink. You're telling us a little bit of stories comparative to the minors and the bigs. Don't name any names, but there were some pretty good stories you were saying. Yeah, I mean. Unless I, one of those names is on the San Francisco Giants. <laughs> you blow them up. <laughs> no, I mean, I, I think every organization from what I got, because once you get playing AAA long enough, you start playing with people that have played, you know, a pretty long time. So, you know, you just start talking, hey, how was it when you were with this organization? What were the rules there? Basically, what I got out of it was every organization starting at about AA. And, you know, some people wouldn't allow it at AA. But at the AAA, AAA level, it's like, hey, a lot of these people have families, they're adults. We're kind of going to tell them that they're not allowed to drink in front of reporters and in the clubhouse, but it goes on anyways. And I think some of the players that were big beer drinkers, I never was, but a few of them had, definitely had their city that they liked picked out because a few AAA places would have kegs in the clubhouse. So, uh, you know, guys were excited to get back for that. And if they happened to get thrown out that series, they weren't very upset about it. <laughs> they had something to do up in the clubhouse. They're just yelling, please pinch run for me. <laughs> yep, pretty much. Pretty Co much. Coach, my hamstring's a little tight. If I could just get taken out in the second, that'd be great. Oh, yeah, or take a ball right down the middle and yell at the umpire, call names, get thrown out, and go enjoy the uh, nice 
clubhouse fun. <laughs> All right, so you're up in the bigs. The game's over. You guys are walking back to the clubhouse. What are you rooting for that's in there food-wise? What was your favorite thing that you had? Capital Grill is a restaurant that I don't know if they have any. I know they don't have any around our location, but they have them a lot in the south. I've been to them in a few different states. It's a really fancy place, like steak and seafood. They would cater in to us almost every home series, I feel like. And they had the best lobster mac and cheese hands down I've ever had. And uh, I would eat it every day, not even caring about, you know, calorie restrictions or anything. <laughs> it was it was amazing. And still to this day, if I go to a city and it has a Capitol Grill, I'll go in there and get the lobster mac and cheese. That sounds amazing. That's two weeks in a row. I think the the moral of our show is you should eat lobster mac and cheese. If you're at Disneyland, if you're in the <laughs> South, just get lobster mac and cheese. And everybody always gets on, you know, uh, shellfish and cheese combination. But for whatever reason, it works in lobster mac. All right. So you your rookie year where you were up, you went out and had a pretty nice little meal with everyone. What did you guys run that bill up to, and where were you, and what did you guys all get? We were in Detroit in 2012, and it was towards the end of the season, so they did, like, the rookie initiation. They can't call it hazing, and we didn't get hazed. It was actually pretty funny. Uh, we were in Detroit, and we had to dress up as somebody on the team, one of the veterans, ordered Detroit State Penitentiary jumpsuits, <laughs> like the official yeah. ones. So we had to wear those, and then we were handcuffed to one of our teammates, and we had to walk through the city of Detroit. It was actually hilarious. Definitely not hazing. Uh, no. no. <laughs> it was funny. Nothing bad happened. It was hilarious. And uh, they took us to a really nice restaurant there about 45 minutes outside of downtown Detroit. That's a long walk. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we, we uh, actually, we bust to the restaurant. They let us out like two blocks away from the restaurant. And we had to walk past a police precinct. So we took pictures in our jumpsuits in front of that. That was funny. But then we got to the uh, restaurant. Again, I don't know the name. It was just a fancy place in Detroit. And I don't know what the exact bill was, but I know it was split between three players on our team that uh, didn't even wouldn't even notice that <laughs> it was gone from their paycheck. But I do. I thought I heard it was around twelve thousand dollars. That's amazing. Yeah. So, but I mean, hey, it's twenty. Yeah. I don't know if any of the coaches came out to that dinner. So, if it was just players, it's twenty five guys, and uh, you yeah, know, if you're drinking and eating, that's really reasonable. Uh, yeah. Like five hundred bucks a person. That I when Zach and I go out, that's about what we spend. <laughs> yeah, it was. Uh, it was a pretty big bill. Bring but, me all the jalapeno poppers. <laughs> I don't think they had that on the menu there. <laughs> but. Uh, Hey, the veterans on the Twins, especially, they took care of um, – they did a really good job of taking care of rookies and younger players and all, and all that stuff. I mean, that wasn't the only time a veteran picked up a bill for me and, uh, you know, uh, and the rest of my team. You guys would just pick people up. Hey, if you need something or, hey, if, you know, if you're lucky enough to play as long as I have, you know, do this for the next guy. It's, you know, it's kind of like a passing of the torch thing, so. All right. I think that's all we got for Food Court Files. We'll take a little break and we'll come back with Sports Chug. Do you like the sweet taste of Mountain Dew? Do you like your vodka to be both inexpensive and flavored like melons? Then have we got a beverage for you. From the minds of the host of the wildly popular podcast that shares its name, we bring you the Spivey Special. 
one part Mountain Dew, three to four parts Burnett's Watermelon Vodka. 100% fun. Drink one at your next party or at 3 a.m. playing Halo 3. Please enjoy responsibly. Sports Jug with the Spivey Brothers. Cubs are good. Get the ball to big country. Generic soccer take. All right, that's enough. I'm out of breath. All right, this week for Sports Jog, we've got a former professional athlete with us. And one of the first things that we want to ask, how do you feel about the Houston Astros? I think you guys could both guess how I feel about it. (laughs) Um, Definitely not a fan of using technology in baseball for a lot of things, Uh, but especially stealing signs. Uh, Just a quick breakdown on that. I know a few people that don't really understand baseball as much have asked me a few questions about it. Um, Stealing signs has been around as long as giving signs was a thing. Um, I know we, we knew how to do it back at CBRC to go back to our other segment. We, I knew how to do it when I was 11 or 12, how to steal a sign from a catcher and relay it to a hitter. That's okay because you're actually just playing the game. The, the way you would do it at a younger level like that is when you have somebody on second base and a catcher is just giving one sign and you could in so many ways relay that to the hitter because you could see the sign. You know one means fastball, two means curveball, you know, wiggle means changeup. Um, really, you know, at any level, if you could eliminate pitches, you have a better chance of hitting, especially at the big league level. That's what they do. The pitchers now are so good. They throw so hard, have such good breaking balls. The only chance they really have is to eliminate pitches. So when you tell a guy what's coming, they don't even have to get tell you the exact pitch. You could – a lot of these hitters are smart. Uh, you could do it by process of elimination. So, like in Little League, we were telling guys – Hey, if I'm on second base and Troy, you're hitting, if I say your last name, I go, Hey, Spivey, let's go get a hit here. Last name is fastball. (laughs) If I say, Hey, Troy, let's go. You're having an off speed pitch. So if I tell you off speed pitch is coming, you're obviously eliminate the fastball and you stay back. You don't have to know if it's going to be a curveball or a changeup. You just know it's going to be slower. So you just eliminate pitches. The Astros have some really good hitters that prove themselves before stealing signs. Um, But they're the best hitters in the world facing the best pitchers in the world. You're letting them eliminate pitches by using technology. For me, if if a pitcher and a catcher are just so lazy that they don't change their sign sequence with runners on second base, or, you know, if a team has been known for being really good at stealing signs, You as a pitcher or a catcher, everybody at the major league level has played enough baseball. You can get with your catcher and say, hey, Zach, this inning we're going to go second sign after the first curveball you throw down. You do that. Nobody gets on base that inning. Stick with that sign set. That works. That's great. Or you could go, hey, um, you know, first pitch after changeup. You know, you could switch it up however you want, and that's all you have to do between innings. Nobody is good enough, or nobody's going to have guys on base long enough against the same pitchers to pick up those signs if you're changing them every outing, every inning. What, however paranoid you want to be about it, it's not hard to change signs. Uh, 
I'm not a rocket scientist by any means. That is, <laughs> that is proven, actually. <laughs> proven and, fact. And I think I could just off the top of my head rattle off like 20, pit, 20 different pitch sequences. That, hey, this is what we're going to go with this inning at any time. And it's very simple. And if you're, you know, if teams are trying to spend time on figuring out how to decipher signs when you're switching them up all like that, they're just wasting time. But when you use cameras, you use technology, uh, you're relaying it, relaying it to the best hitters in the world, it's obviously a huge disadvantage. We've heard the stories about pitchers' careers who's it's, you know, affected. A um, couple guys had some rough outings against the Astros and haven't been back to the big league since. Um, I don't think the commissioner came down hard enough on the players. I do also understand that um, – a deal was made. Um, obviously, I don't like the deal, but hey, if they gave the players, um, you know, what, whatever, they gave them leniency or, hey, just tell us all what happened, who was involved. Uh, the players will take care of, the pitchers will take care of the players if, if they're really offended by this thing. I don't advocate hitting people on purpose. Uh, I know some people think it should be illegal. Hey, if you want to throw at somebody and you're, you got enough control where you're not going to hit them in the head, Go ahead. It's going to cost you a base runner, and that base runner could possibly score a run. That run could cost your team a game. So people have asked me, hey, did you ever throw at anybody on purpose? Yeah, I did. Not a lot of people. I could probably count on two hands. How many? One of them's here, and it was at practice. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm saying since I started professionally. Uh, I actually threw at more people probably in high school than I did professionally. Well, yeah, because you knew you could strike everybody out <laughs> afterwards. And exactly. No, that, there's some truth to that because uh, as much as I like striking people out and all that stuff, I hated giving up runs uh, against better players. I didn't want base runners. Base runners equal runs. Runs equal losses. It, base runners are my least favorite thing in the world. So I had no problem – uh, hitting people in high school that did something I didn't like because I was confident that I'd be able to get them out. All right, I've heard some from some of the pitchers around the league, especially the Dodgers, who are super bitter right now, but would you rather go up against a guy that's on steroids or a guy that knows what pitch is coming? I would rather face guys on steroids, I think, because I think when I first started, about the second year after I signed was when they really started testing uh, in the minor leagues, so... I was kind of naive to all this stuff. I'm sure there were guys doing it, doing steroids the first couple of years I was playing. Um, I didn't ever think about steroids. I mean, in Sacramento area, it's not something that like high school athletes were talking about. I didn't even, I was so naive to it. I could have been playing against guys that were on steroids. I, I don't know, but um, I, I know for my own safety, I, prefer the hitter not to know what pitch is coming. <laughs> um, uh, you know, that's part of the game. If I wanted to tell him what was coming, I would just tell him. Uh, you know, it's, it's a safety issue. That was something I didn't think that was mentioned enough during the whole thing was if one of those hitters would have hit one on the screws and had about 110-mile exit velocity, because that's all we measure now is exit velocity, off somebody's forehead, I think they would have felt pretty bad about it. Um, well, I don't think the Astros would have felt bad about it. But. <laughs> the Astros might not have, but uh, it would have been really bad. So, um, hey, they're both bad, obviously. The steroid era came and went, and baseball was doing fine. Um, for me, this is worse because you got – I mean, it's players doing it, coaches, 
front office. Um, obviously, there were a bunch of lies. Hey, I had nothing. I didn't know anything about it. And then they catch emails. It's like it was a whole industry thing from top to bottom with that organization. Um, you know, so obviously I'm against using technology to steal signs. And uh, hey, if you want to steal signs once baseball starts back up, because it will, um, and you could do it the old-fashioned way, go ahead. But I think it's going to be something that's um, probably overwatched out now by other teams. And that's going to be a problem because uh, one of the problems with our game sometimes, I know it's always mentioned, is how slow it is. Um, one thing that slows down games to a halt is coaches given 19 million signs and, you know, trying to protect them from getting stolen. Then they have to get relayed by the catcher. It just takes way too long. So, um, you know, unfortunately, it's going to hurt them when baseball starts back up. It's going to hurt the speed of the game because especially guys that are playing any team that, you know, people think, hey, this team's better at stealing signs or they do it more often – game's going to come to a grinding halt. We don't need to be playing four-hour baseball games. Unless you're the Yankees and the Red Sox. Then yeah, that's every game. <laughs> yeah, they do it all the time. <laughs> hey, uh, I was lucky enough to play in Boston uh, when I was with the Twins in, at Fenway. And I th- I think even all those games went really long. I, I just say, hey, some teams, you know, play at different paces and all that stuff. And that's fine. You're not going to change, you know, certain pitchers that are established that take a little longer to throw. Let them do that. But I don't like how – it's become the norm. Uh, I've always been a, you know, uh, the advice I give pitchers is work fast, get on and off the field as quick as you can, keep your defense involved. Um, Hey, I never played professionally in the field. You do it in high school. I played first base. You're sitting there and a guy walks four guys in a row. It's as much as I love baseball more than anybody. Um, It's pretty boring watching a guy just walk, 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 and knowing that it's going to happen. Hey, that turns young kids off to baseball. They go play basketball where it's more exciting. Go play flag football, whatever. Um, I am a you know huge advocate of the game of baseball. I like to you know um, promote it as much as I can, and I don't really have much of a argument when somebody tells me if I ask a kid why aren't you playing baseball anymore, he says it's boring. You know, as much as I've made my whole life out of baseball. Um, I can't tell them, no, I disagree with you. I don't think it's boring. The way it's taught and the way some coaches want to be the star of the show and, you know, hey, look at me. I'm the one giving the signs. Just let the kids play. The game will be played faster. And I think we'll get more athletes involved back in baseball because, hey, it's just – you guys know. You guys both have kids. It's hard to keep kids focused for 10 minutes, let alone four hours. So I think it's harder to keep Zach focused that long and needs <laughs> in his thirties. Yeah. It's, so hopefully, uh, you know, they nip that in the bud when we start back up and, uh, you know, the game starts to speed up and we get past that. But, um, that was, uh, they're probably one of the organizations that's not too upset that this thing's going on right now, because there's a lot more important things going on in the country than, Worried about the Astros scandal. I hope they don't get let off easy from it, though. That's well, sure. the players already did, but that's another story. <laughs> All right, so when we do start back up, we had a lot of shuffling going on in the MLB, and I'm kind of excited to see all these people in new places. Tyler, what do you think about Joe Madden and Rendon going to the Angels? Huge for um, the Angels to get Rendon. Madden, I know you're a huge fan. He- nope, wrong. 
great regular season manager. We oh, so you didn't like him? No, I did. I thought he managed the game very poorly in the playoffs and I, late in the year. And I never bared down on him much as a manager. Um, I know his players always talk really high of him, uh, which is as a manager, that's one of the your jobs: manage people and. Hey, not everybody's going to like you, but I think he's a likable guy. He's, you know, he, he adjusts with the times. He's good with the veterans. He's good with the younger uh, people. Rendon, probably besides Cole, you know, coming to the Yankees, I think Rendon is might be the biggest move of the offseason because um, I don't know if people out here got to follow him as much until, you know, the playoffs, you know, them being an East Coast team, but he's one of the best hitters in the game. Um, so he's going to help any lineup out, and to add him with Trout, that's going to be scary. Oh, to put that you put Rendon behind Trout and have to pitch to Trout now. Yeah, and then you could split him up. You know, you could even throw uh, Otani in there to go right, left, right. You know, there, it gives you a lot of options, and uh, I, I think a lot of fans on the West Coast that you know don't follow much East Coast baseball are going to really like watching Rendon hit. I got to play with Rendon. I was. In spring tr- big league spring training with the Nationals in 2014, so I got to know a few of those guys. I was a Rendon fan, nice dude, wor- hard worker. Um, really happy for his success. It's awesome. Zach, how do you feel about Mookie Betts going to the Dodgers? He's a relief pitcher, right? <laughs> <laughs> no, unfortunately. Oh, no. okay. Well, I, I mean, they just keep adding position players, which is great. We'll score like 15 runs a game, but. Hopefully our starters hold up. Kershaw's old. Theo Price is old. Our relievers aren't super great. But we'll see. It's kind of like the Angels where they'll just score more runs than the other team can keep up with. Yeah, I don't, even, I don't even think the Angels have five starters on their roster. I haven't looked too deep into it. But they went the whole year last year without any starters, it seemed like. Yeah, again, I, I just didn't follow them as much working on the amateur side. I like to follow the Yankees' big league club to see what's going on there. Um, they just got a guy named Garrett Cole. What do you think about that? I, obviously, very happy <laughs> about that. Uh, I mean, he's outstanding. What he did in the playoffs and World Series, and re- really the regular season last year was unbelievable if you look at the numbers and all that. So he's going to be a great addition. Uh, the Yankees obviously got some injuries going on right now, but – by the time we start baseball back up, everybody might be healthy for the first time in a while, and it could be pretty scary for people. Does Stanton ever play, like, more than 10 games in a row? I, you know, I played against Stanton a good amount in the lower minor league levels coming up because he was in the Florida State League the same time I was. Uh, he was a monster back then. Um and I, I want to say early in his career, he stayed fairly healthy, if, if I'm right. I'm talking about in the lower minor leagues. Um, you know, obviously he takes care of his body, he plays hard. Everybody that I know that's been teammates with him or you know, a few, you know, Yankees people that have talked to him, he's a great guy, hard worker. I mean, I hope he could get healthy and stay healthy. It's just, hey, some people get that injury bug and it can't go away. Uh, I don't think it's because any lack of effort. Um, or anything. It's just people forget, too, with Judge and Stanton. I mean, hey, they're big, strong, powerful guys, and that's what we like. But, hey, sometimes those injuries take a little longer to heal and stuff. You know, these I've stood next to both of them. They're, they're gigantic guys. I mean, it's <laughs> – if people saw them, they would think they played football. Um, 
I, I believe they'll get healthy. we got a great training staff, um, and I know those two will put in the work to stay on the field. Um, that's part of baseball, though. It's a 162-game season. It's, it's long. Um, well, I think the thing that might help the Yankees this year is it won't be 162 games. That's, that's what I'm saying. I think if they start this season back up and – you know, 90% of our guys heal up. Uh, it could be a pretty scary club in a, in a shortened season if that's, you know, the route they were going to go. Especially with the Red Sox down. I think, uh, what's his name? The pitcher for the Red Sox just had to go Tommy John. Chris Sale. Yeah, yeah Sale. Yeah, he's out. That's too bad. He's... No bets, no sale. That's not the – They'll always find a way, though. Oh, they play yeah. hard. They play hard, man. And they um, – obviously, them being in the – AL East, uh, they're always going to fight the Yankees hard just because that rivalry is real. So um, it should be fun to watch. Yeah, Zach and I, this past year, we went to our first uh, Fenway game out there. It was a blast. It's a different environment. Oh, yeah. that's. Uh, I got to come in in a big situation in Fenway. Warming up in the bullpen was funny. Uh, that was probably the most I got heckled uh, <laughs> by the Boston, fine folks of Boston and their beautiful accents um they were giving it to me pretty good i laughed at one of the guys gave him credit for it um probably said stuff i can't say on here but <laughs> i went in a big spot we were winning by a run and the bases were loaded two outs i came in to face jacoby ellsbury and struck him out together the jam we ended up winning the game um so you know that was pretty cool especially getting yelled at by the fans um and one cool thing about Fenway is when you play there for your first time as a rookie, they have security guards on the field during batting practice. And one guy's been working there for a long time, I guess, and he carries a Sharpie with him. And if it's your first time, one of the veteran guys, bullpen pitchers on our team, you know, told the security guy, hey, it's his first time here. So he gave me a pin and they have you go inside the green monster and you, you sign your name on the, mo- on the wall. So that was pretty cool. That is a really cool story. Yeah. I like stuff. that. All right, so there's a couple more moves. Uh, Donaldson to the Twins. We'll see how that works out. Yeah, I mean, they uh, hit a lot of home runs last year. I know that. Uh, he's going to definitely add to that. Uh, he's a good defender, um, veteran presence. Uh, it's a good pickup for the Twins. I think the Twins are going to like not having to play, you know, this early cold part of the season there at home. Yeah, it's a little chilly. I got I broke with the club in 2013 um, and faced Prince Fielder, I think, in our second game of the year in in Target Field. It was about 28 degrees, clear, clear <laughs> sky. It was cold. It was a cold 28 degrees, too. Uh, yeah, it's not fun to play in, but, I mean, I always kind of looked at that. The mental approach to that was that, you know, if I'm not having any fun in it, I'm sure the hitters aren't. So I'm not going to let him win that mental battle right there. So, Yeah, and then we had a, a local one, Bumgarner going to the Diamondbacks. I think that'll be interesting to see how he pitches down. He'll probably do okay, and then he'll get in some like weird dirt bike or frisbee <laughs> golf accident, and then he'll be out for the year. Yeah, he was out at the circus, you know, wrangling some lions or something. They bit through the chair. Well, he was like in a rodeo. You saw that? Yeah, he was a different name. That's so awesome. <laughs> yeah, I've always been a huge Mad Bum fan. We never really cross paths in the minor leagues. I, I can't think of, um, you know, any time we were in the same uh, league together even. Um, 
but I've always been a huge fan. Left-handed pitcher, I like the way he competes. And, you know, being from Northern California, I was always home in the offseason when they were winning those World Series. So that was always fun to watch. Uh, hey, he's going to be good. Or as long as he pitches, he's going to win games just because he competes and gets after it. Um, so, yeah, it's a good pickup for AZ, too. Workhorse, too. That's the thing I like about Mad Bum. He'll just keep going out there every fifth day. Yeah, you're going to have to knock him out to, you know, <laughs> to take the jersey off and everything. So he's uh, he's fun to watch. Then just a couple more. You got Kluber going to the Rangers. I think that's an interesting move if he can stay healthy. Yeah, they actually they added him. They added a former teammate of mine, Kyle Gibson, from the Twins. They added him. He could sink it and pitch. Uh, Kluber dominated a few years ago. Um, you know, veteran guy. Again, he's going to battle, give him innings. I, I, I think those two starting pitcher pickups for the Rangers is going to help that club out big time because both of them same thing like with mad bum um, both of them competitors both of them aren't going to beat themselves um they know what they're doing they've you know veteran presences so rangers could you know be interesting in the al west for sure well i think too that the al west is a lot more wide open than it has been with the astros losing cole and with everything going on with them i don't know how many games they're going to win i mean the angels they got better the a's are always scrappy so i think that division is going to be beat up on each other all year long yeah it'll be a fun one to watch that's for sure and then an ex-cub cole hamels goes to the braves you think he's got enough in the tank to help that team out Again, veteran presence. That's a good job bringing him in. Um, I I didn't follow them as much, uh, being a National League team, but they're basically I, Dodgers East. <laughs> yeah, it's never gonna you know it's never gonna hurt bringing in a guy that knows what he's doing like Hamels. Uh, same thing. There's a reason why the guys that you're naming these guys in free agency just signed all their big deals or you know went to other teams. They're veterans. They know how to win. They know how to go about it. Uh, Hamels might not have the same stuff as he had a few years ago, but I think if you were to ask him, he doesn't really care. He's going to give you everything he's got, and it's not going to be a fun at bat for hitters all year long. He's a professional, and uh, hey, he's going to teach some of the younger guys on that Brave staff uh, a lot. Um, so it's it's invaluable having him on the staff, and really, what he does, you know, win and loss wise, that's win and loss wise, that's just a bonus. All right, um, I have a question down here that I think that my brother wrote. Is the 2016 MLB season the best you've ever seen? Uh, I didn't even pay attention to it in 2016 because <laughs> I officially got done playing in 2015 and basically took all of 2016 off until I got my start or my scouting job in November 16. So uh, I know it was your favorite uh, <laughs> baseball year ever, but really that was probably the least amount of baseball I ever watched. Maybe there's uh, something in that. I'm not sure. Yeah, if you could just not watch the next <laughs> couple of years, that would be great. So, Tyler, who's your favorite pitcher to watch right now? Oh, uh, just picking one's tough. Um, I really take any of the four that were pitching in the World Series against each other. Um, you know, Strasburg, Scherzer, Cole, and Verlander. Obviously, four of the you know, it's it's not every time in every sport where you get the best guys in the you know championship game or World Series or whatever. I think yeah, not many people could argue that those are four of the best righties in the game going against each other. So obviously watching that was a treat for any, you know, pitching fans. Um, and left-handed pitcher-wise, 
I've always liked bum, mad bum, like we talked about. Uh, what about not right now, like old school lefty pitchers? Were you a big Randy Johnson guy? I was guy? a huge, huge <laughs> Randy Johnson I fan. could tell. Yeah, he was my uh, kind of idol growing up. I never got to throw in nearly as hard as he did, but I, you know, I liked uh, the way he went about it. Um, never actually met him either. You, 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 you meet a lot of older players and stuff just when you're in the game. Uh, never got to you know, cross paths with him, but he was definitely my favorite growing up. And then, um, my favorite hitter, actually funny story about that was always Jim Tomey. My dad worked for the Indians when I was growing up. And one of my coolest memorabilia things, um, that I ever got, I know people ask, Hey, did you get signed balls, signed jerseys? Well, I met Jim Tomey in spring training in 2011 with the twins when he played with them. Uh, I wasn't even a major league invite that year. I just got, uh, I was on the minor, I was in minor league spring training, but they sent me over to back up a lot. And uh, Tommy was on the twins at that time. And I told him when I met him one day during batting practice, we were talking and I told him I got a picture with him and my younger brother when they came to play in Oakland when I was like 12 years old and my brother was 10. I had a photo that the, my dad knew the manager of the Indians and we got to meet him before the game, and he's like, hey, who's your guys' favorite player? And we both said Jim Tomey, and we were both wearing one of those Tomey, you know, shirt jerseys. And so I took a picture with him, and then in 2012, he went to the Orioles, and we were playing against him. I called my mom, like, a week before the game and said, hey, do you still have that picture? Can you send it out? I had, like, an 8 by 12 of it. And uh, I told the clubhouse guy about the picture, and he obviously knew G uh, Jim Tomey from the season before. He goes, hey, I'll run it over and get it to sign it. And he signed that piece of, you know, that picture for me and said, uh, but it was funny. I came in, again, eighth inning, big spot, I think tie game. I struck him out on a 3-2 pitch. <laughs> um, and I just gave that picture to get signed to our clubby before the game. And I went in after the game, and I was like, hey, don't send that thing over to Jim Tomey anymore. I don't want to send it over to him after I struck him out. <laughs> and the guy was like, no, he won't care. You know, he's a great guy. Well, he signed it the next day, and I don't remember exactly what it says. It's somewhere locked up, but it said, you know, something along the lines of, uh, you know, congratulations on, you know, making it to the big leagues. Good job striking me out, Jim Tomey. So, that's a pretty awesome story yeah, right there. Yeah, so that's pretty cool. So you never got an at bat in the bigs, but what would have been your, I've seen you take some hacks in BP and throughout your high school career. What's your game plan? If you're going up there, let's say you're going against Verlander. What's your game plan? I definitely would not have got cheated. <laughs> I would have swung as hard as I could. Um, I didn't handle velocity very well as a hitter. Um, but if again, get back to the Astros cheating scandal, if I knew a fastball was coming, and I could cheat enough to it, I could hit it. So I would have just probably guessed I was getting three fastballs, <laughs> swung, swung same speed, same everything three times, and if it hit my bat, it probably would have went you know, a long way. We would take um, pitchers batting practice in the minor leagues if you know the team threw a shutout, the manager would let you hit. And a lot of pitchers actually have some juice when it comes to it's you know there's more to hitting about than um, you know raw power obviously but some of the pitchers would be pretty impressive in batting practice um, and we talked a little bit before I never got a bat in the big leagues or in the minor leagues but in my last year before I had surgery I was on deck um, 
in a triple-A game. They told me, hey, you're going back out for the next inning to finish it. It was actually the last game I pitched in before surgery. They were going to send me back out. And I was on deck, and my buddy that played for the Devil Rays for a few years, Will Rimes, really good hitter. I mean, one of the best. He was like a career over 300 hitter in AAA, um, you know, up-down guy in the big leagues. He's hitting eighth, and he knows I played for, I don't know, eight years at the time or whatever. And he's like, hey, we were buddies. He said, hey, you never had an at-bat? I said, no, this is the closest I've gotten to it. And he was like, hey, I'll get a hit for you here. Don't worry. And he smoked a ball up the middle, and the second baseman dove and caught it. So that was the closest I got to an A-B. But same uh, same strategy I would have had in that. Just try to hit one out. Why not? Why not? Chicks dig the long ball. No doubt. <laughs> all right. I think that's all we got for the week. Um, that was one of the most fun episodes that we've done. Um, make sure to check us out on our social media, at Spivey Special, on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and I don't know, Snapchat maybe. I don't know. No, we we're not made for Snapchat. Then <laughs> <laughs> there's like a filter that made me look skinny. Is that a thing? No, they haven't created that yet. They got a lot of scientists on that. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks to the Athletic for uh, sponsoring the episode. Thank you to the Mister Pickles, and um, thanks to Lobster Mac and Cheese. Yeah, we couldn't have done it without you, Lobster <laughs> Mac and Cheese. So, Zach, you're fat. Troy, you're fat. Later. Bye.